0: This is the Irrelevant Information Podcast, a podcast about the importance of the unimportant. I'm Rodrigo Nunez, and today we're going to talk about Thomas Jefferson's moose. One of my favorite harmless videos on the internet is this 44-second video of an Alaskan man slowly driving along a road as a mammoth creature stalks along the tiny grass median of the highway, or the road, whatever it is. It's a moose, it's a gigantic moose. Look at this big fella here. In fact, in the video, there's a car on the other side of the road that is reversing just to keep watching the moose longer and the animal just towers over the car. It's amazing. It's insane. I'm gonna put a link to this video in the show notes because it's really, really crazy. And it's it's not a good video only because of the massive moose. Of course, that's a big part of it, but because of the words the man in the video says, he keeps calling him bud and saying something weird that's just gonna send it. Then he has the best sign off of any dumb (laughs) 44 second video on the internet. You're just gonna send it there, eh, bud? Huh? He's gonna send it later, dad. Tell me that's not great. (laughs) I love this video because it captures the genuine sense of glee and wonder that seeing a huge animal gives us. And when it comes to deer, there's nothing bigger than a moose. It's almost mythological in size and its antlers seem made up. It's that sense of, wow, this is huge, that ties Moose to one of our founding fathers and his quest to use that wonder to cement the new world as a place equal to or superior to the old. Moose are the largest deer species in the world. Unlike other deer, they have broad, open hand-shaped antlers instead of the tree branch or twig-looking ones that other deers have. Also, unlike other deers, they don't form herds. They're solitary animals. Male moose can weigh up to 1,500 pounds and stand almost 7 feet at their shoulders. And that's not even counting the massive horns, which can span 6 feet wide. The largest confirmed moose was an Alaskan moose that was shot in eighteen ninety seven that weighed one thousand eight hundred and eight pounds, and was seven point six feet high at its shoulders. Now that's humongous. That's NBA player size. I just can't get over the fact that a deer is as tall at the shoulder as Dirk Nowitzki or taller. That's just insanely big. The moose is the second largest animal period in North America, behind only the bison. Not only are they massive, they are especially adept to survive in cold weather. They have thickened skin, a dense coat, and low surface volume ratio. Also, their insanely long legs make moving in the snow easy. They are herbivores, but as if everything else I said about them didn't make it clear they're not like other deer, their face just kind of doesn't look like a deer. Like It doesn't look like Bambi. That's the stereotypical deer, right? They kind of have this snout and a big nose. kind of looks like a camel almost. And then they have these tiny beading eyes all the way back behind their snout. And if that wasn't weird enough, they don't have upper front teeth. Instead, they have a bunch of incisors on the lower jaw and a really long, tough tongue and prehensile lips and tough gums, which help digest its food, which consists entirely of plants, aquatic plants and young trees. They'll strip the bark right off a tree and eat it. And then they'll round that out by eating lilies or pondweed from a pond. In fact, they eat so many plants from water sources that they're known to be excellent swimmers, even divers. They'll dive to the bottom of a lake to eat plants and their snouts will kind of close off their nostrils so that no water goes in there. They're the only deer that can feed underwater. Most of their desire for aquatic plants comes from the need to have more sodium which aquatic plants have way more than tree bark does, right? Now, their name actually comes from the fact that they eat tree bark. The word moose is a borrowed word from the Algonquian language, specifically the word musu, m o o s u, meaning he strips off as in bark, moose. That it means literally stripping bark from a tree that's where that name comes from now European settlers had never seen a moose before so they adopted the Algonquian word for it and we still use it to this day another note on moose diets they can't digest hay which I think is just a nice bonus fact and don't give hay to a moose if you ever see one which I haven't but don't give hay to a moose Moose primarily live in North America, in the extreme north boreal forest of Canada, Alaska, northern New England, the upper Rockies, and other places like Minnesota, Wisconsin, the top of Michigan. Pretty much anywhere that's cold in North America with a forest, you'll find a moose. In Europe, moose used to exist in large numbers. In fact, there's a great description of what is believed to be a moose by Julius Caesar in his commentary on the Gallic War, the book that he wrote, entitled... Commentari del bello Gallico, where he talks about these huge animals with long legs that don't lie down to rest, but instead lean on trees to sleep, which many people believe to be moose. However, after the Roman era, the moose started dying off in Europe. And as soon as after the medieval era, most of the moose were gone from the majority of Europe. Nowadays, in modern times, they've been reintroduced and thrive in Norway, Sweden, Finland, Russia. Again, anywhere where it's cold and foresty, the moose will survive. But at the time that Thomas Jefferson was alive, the moose was not known in Europe, which brings us to the title of the episode. Our story centers around two men. Thomas Jefferson, the young ambassador of the newly formed United States of America to France, and Count Georges-Louis Leclerc Buffon, a great French thinker and author, an intellectual, a thought leader, an influencer, if you will, in Paris of the time. Buffon published a big old book, an encyclopedia of natural history, and in it, he formulated one of his grand theories called The Theory of Degeneracy. No, it has nothing to do with gambling, despite the fact that gambling and degenerate gambler are pretty much the same thing. The theory of degeneracy was a way to answer why America in the new world was not exceptional, meaning there was no great man or no great music or no great poetry or no great nothing, according to the French, from America at that time. Now, Buffon stated that America was cold and wet, that it was a swamp that had only recently emerged from water, and as such, all species found in America are weak and feeble. And any species imported to America would succumb to the environment and also become weak and feeble. Now, here's the really funny part. Buffon had never even been to America. He'd just read some travel journals about it. And Buffon was kinda super racist too, which isn't really that funny, but and part of his degeneracy theory he said that native americans because of their degenerate environments were stupid and lazy and that even the genitalia of native american males was smaller because of their degenerate environments his theory instead of being disregarded as bs which is obvious which it obviously is was adopted by the snooty french thinkers who then went on to expand that not only would this apply to animal species and the natives but Any Europeans who went to America and had kids over there would create degenerate kids compared to European children. Like Buffon was the kind of guy to sell those ion balancing bracelets to people, you know, pseudoscience that are just kind of based on a hunch, except Buffon's bracelets would also be super racist and offensive, right? (laughs) He was influential though, and his theory spread throughout Europe with translated copies of his book into German, Dutch, and English, and a lot of Americans even started reading it too. Enter the second character of our story, Thomas Jefferson. Jefferson simply wouldn't have it, and he was obsessive about proving this man wrong. He was a man of science, so he wrote to everyone he knew back in America, imploring them to measure every wild animal they could trap and send him the data, and he would publish his findings. His book, Notes on the State of Virginia, has a huge chunk of it, of him using these facts and figures. For example, the measurement of a Virginia weasel, the the weight of a Virginia bear, and pretty much every type of animal to prove that they were larger than their European counterparts. These findings were also published and reprinted all over the place, but Buffon wouldn't budge on his degeneracy theory. Jefferson even had dinner with the man. After all, he is the ambassador of this new country to France and he's in Paris and Buffon is like this prolific thinker and so is Jefferson right so they met at a dinner one time at Buffon's house at some point in the 1780s and somebody brought up the existence of moose now the count Buffon said animals of that size can't exist and some stupid degenerate American probably confused a reindeer for what is being described as this moose that you're talking about Now, Jefferson, of course, wouldn't let that go. And he proclaimed that a moose is so much bigger than a reindeer that a reindeer could walk under the belly of an American moose. And Buffon had no idea what he was talking about. Buffon scoffed and Thomas Jefferson decided he was going to bring a moose to Paris. Now, even today, I don't think that's easy. Now, imagine how difficult it would be in the 1780s. It took a couple of years. Keep in mind, during this time, Jefferson's home in Virginia is being like ransacked. He's being run away from Virginia by the British that are trying to get back their colonies. And he's also living in Paris, trying to get money to establish his new country, right? Bring investors to America, bring businesses to America, whatever. But he sees the moose as pivotal because the degeneracy theory is a PR nightmare for America. Why would anyone want to go to America if going there will make you, quote, degenerate, right? In any case, the governor of New Hampshire finally got a moose For Jefferson he shot one but getting it to Jefferson was an ordeal it was shot 20 miles from a road so teams of 20 men dragged it through the snow and by the time it was mounted to be shipped the carcass was half fallen apart and decayed the meat was putrefied and the antlers were gone so the governor instead sent in an alternate set of deer elk and caribou antlers which Of course, look nothing like moose antlers. And then once he shipped them, it took one year for the crates to arrive to Paris. One year after that animal had been shot and killed and dragged through the snow, the antlers gone. That's when it arrived in Paris. Now, when it got there, it was in bad shape, obviously. But Jefferson still took it to Buffon. And that animal still stood almost seven feet tall. As ragged and broken down as it was, I'm sure it was still imposing. Now, the really jacked up part of all this story is that we don't know how Buffon reacted to the moose because he died shortly after Jefferson sent him the animal. The degeneracy theory, however, lived on after Buffon's death, but Jefferson's moose or rather his obsession with the moose to me speaks a lot about the character of America or what it was at that point. I'm talking about a time when Americans embraced the wilderness of their new country and rather than being seeing it as aspirational to imitate everything European, saw their massive monster animals and the fact that they were thriving around them as something to be proud of. The vastness of America, the bigness of it all, is what became one of its identities and it's still something that is a bit of our identity to this day. The moose, I feel, represents that perfectly. So, I applaud Jefferson for wanting to show one of these animals to the snooty French idiot who is pulling racist theories out of his butt. It's a massive animal that is far beyond anything human and that could only happen in the wild, cold, unforgiving country. The country that early Americans moved to and settled and survived in and thrived in and formed the beginnings of a country. The moose indirectly defended this baby country, this baby Yoda of a country that was America when the ancient decrepit powers of Europe saw it as weak and useless. And maybe it's just my theory, but maybe the Count's death was hurried when he saw just how wrong he was, and that Frankenstein crumbling moose was pulled out of that crate in his house, but there's no way to know that for sure. that's it for this week's episode thank you so much for listening um i hope you enjoyed this episode look in the show notes for that video it's really cool it's very funny and it really gives you a scope of how big a moose is see you next time and as always or 4 did nothing wrong this is relevant podcast network. Thanks for listening.